welcome. Thank you for listening to this wholesome word by David Entry. The words you catch will change your world. May your story change from this message. Be blessed. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 to 5. It says that if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. <laughs> Here ends the reading of God's word. Let's pray, Father. Grant us the privilege of knowing more, knowing you more. Grant us the privilege that will be made conformable to your death, that we will know you and the power of your resurrection. Grant us the privilege that the heavens will be open for us to see wondrous things through your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, you are the only one who can teach the actual truth. Teach us Christ. Reveal Christ to us. Give us the truth of God's word. And as your word is taught, bring revival in the hearts of the hearers. As your word is taught, bring healing in the body of the hearers. As your word is taught, bring illumination, Lord, in the minds of your people. Thank you that the entrance of your word gives light and brings understanding to the simple. Thank you that our lives cannot be the same after we are exposed to your word of truth. Thank you for your word of grace. Thank you for your word of life. Thank you for your word of faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody say hallelujah. Colossians chapter 3 says that if or since you be risen with Christ. We have been risen with Christ because scripture said he raised us up. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. So we have been risen with Christ since he be risen with Christ. Seek those things which are above where Christ is on the right hand of God. And he said we should set, set our affections on things above. Not on, so you can set your affections on things on the earth. Nothing on earth is eternal. In fact, the Bible talks about how our salvation is eternal. Eternal salvation is eternal in nature. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10, talks about the nature of our salvation is eternal. So, obtain salvation which, yeah, it comes with eternal glory. It's an amazing thing. So when you are saved, you can either set your affections on your job, on your marriage, on your house, on the things that you deem valuable on this earth for you, which when you die, it cannot follow you. That is why it's a major error for us to justify the quality of a Christian life by material possessions. 
in the name of God is blessing me. So that there are people whose the drive of their Christian life is a race for possession on earth. They are in a race to amass more, to gain more, to get more. And such people suppose that gain is godliness. No! Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 5. He said, from such people, turn away. In fact, Bible, he said, redraw yourself from such people. Who suppose that gain is godliness? No. Getting more material and earthly opportunities and advantages is not necessarily an indication that God is with you. So why do you testify God has been? When Joseph, God was with him, and so he prospered. Genesis chapter 39, verse 21. He did well in Potiphar's house. But there are others who are doing well. And it's not a sign that God is with them. So don't let us peg the presence of God, the blessing of God. Don't let us just restrict it to earthly things, possession of earthly things. He said, if you do that, it leads people into wanting to gain more. And it says, those who desire to gain more, another way of gaining more is to be rich, will fall into not just temptation, but foolish ones. <laughs> Some temptations are foolish temptation. Uh, you, you, you fall into, it says that many foolish and harmful lusts fall into temptation and a snare, into many, no one, because of your drive. You are a Christian, but what is driving your life is exposing you to temptations and snares and many foolish and harmful lusts. And it's not just the lie. And it says that these lusts, they draw men into distraction and to perdition. Some lusts that unbelievers even run away from has become your target. Why? Because they desire to be rich. He said, to stay safe, set your affections on things above. Because it's natural and human to want to gain more. Isn't it? Yeah. So, it's natural to want to have a good job. It's natural to want to have your children to be doing well. It's natural to want to have a better house. It's natural to want people to say, oh, you look so nice. It's natural not to want to drive this car that always is breaking down. And <laughs> so there's nothing wrong in actually wanting a better life. But if we are not careful, we will end up setting our affections. Like a man came to Jesus, good master, what should I do to be saved? Luke chapter 8, from verse 18. He says, why well, do you call me good? No one is good but God. And he says that, what do I do to have I can have life? Jesus said that, what does this scripture say? The law. And it says that, thou shalt not obey your parents, or honor your mother and father and all that. And Jesus said, okay, then do it. He said, but I've been doing this for my youth and I still, you know, Jesus said, you have been doing it, but you lack one thing. He 
said, go and sell all that you have and give the proceeds to the poor. And then come, you see, some people think just giving your food, your money to the poor is enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. That's not it. He said, and come and follow me. Following Jesus is the core thing. But really, you can't follow when your eye, your heart is set on earthly things. So he said, take your eye off your earthly things. Let's try if you can do it. And the Bible said he left very sad. <laughs> very sorrowful. Because he had so much. So he couldn't turn his focus from natural things to follow Jesus. So the Bible says that that man, Jesus was not teaching it's wrong to have money. But it's wrong for the money to have you. That man's life was defined by what he possessed. Meanwhile, Jesus has taught us that a man's life, Luke chapter 12, does not consist, verse 15, in the abundance of his possessions. Having a bigger house doesn't mean you have a better life. Having a most expensive bed doesn't mean you have a decent sleep. <laughs> People are sleeping on wonderful beds and are having nightmares. <laughs> People are sleeping in seven-star hotels and just can't sleep the whole night. People have food all around them but can't eat. He said, set your affection. There are some of us, your affection is not set on things above. Things that matter, you will crucify Christ again just for the money. Yeah. You will give up on a lot of things based on your relationship with God. Your relationship with Christ is, some people, your relationship with Christ is not the most important thing in your life. And it shows you the time you get to church or your church attendance and the way you serve in church and the way you, a lot of things are telling so much about the quality of your spiritual life. Because affections can be set on different things. Yeah. Affection. You know, years ago, your affections were set on something. Ten years later or five years, your affections are set on different things. He said, set your heart or your affections on things above where on, on things above and not on things on earth. For why? Why should you do that? Because you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So wherever Christ is, we are there. Christ is seated on the right hand of the Father. We are there. Christ is living in the church. We are there. So our we, our lives are hidden. Let me just comment on this hiddenness of our lives. Do not, in your Christian journey, do not seek to be displayed and seen too quickly. Because the truth is your actual glory of your life is hid in Christ. So people will be relating with you and really would not know the real you in Christ. 
They will just see your behavior and oh wow. But the real you in Christ is hid. I'm hid. Hidden in Christ. My life is hidden. You know, sometimes people talk about Christ in ways that sometimes you're wondering, but where is God? Where is Christ? Christ do something. Sometimes people treat Christians and believers and church like they are so powerful and there's no God. If there is God, let him strike them. And Christ will not actually do anything. And sometimes, where is Christ? He's hit. Christ is not too quick to display because there's a time coming when he'll be manifested. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 15, that God hides himself. You are God who, very thou art God, that hideth thyself. God, and he said, our life is also hid. In your, that's why he says when you are doing something, don't be in Christian work. When you fast, when you pray, when you give alms, don't do it to be seen. Why did he say don't do it to be Because you actually hid in Christ. In our lives, it should, be, it should be actually Christ. Christ, watch, this is important. It should be the life of Christ that should be manifested in us. Not our abilities and our uniqueness. So, he says that our lives are hid, or your life is hid with Christ in God. Say, I am hid with Christ in God. Say, my life is hid with Christ in God. Does it sound like good English? Let's take it like that. <laughs> my life is Okay, New King James. My life is hidden with Christ in God. Shall we say it together, please? My life is hidden with Christ in God. One more time, please. My life is hidden in Christ in God. Now say like, actually, something that you mean it. Say. My life is hidden with Christ in God. Don't let us be so desperate if people are not discovering who we really are. Our lives are hid with Christ in God. And then verse 4 says that when Christ, who actually is our life, oh, this is one scripture that I just sometimes I'm surprised why it has not been very much emphasized in our Christian work on our puppets is the climax of Christian life. Believer's life, what is it? That Christ is my life. Christ is my life. If you're a Christian, then Christ doesn't just live in you. You don't just have the life of God. He doesn't just give you life. He actually is our life. That's it. I'm telling you, that's a very serious claim. That is what makes a person a Christian. It's not your behavior that makes you a Christian. No, it's not your behavior. It's not your expectations, your exemptions, and all that. What actually makes a person a believer, a child of God, is the life of Christ that is in life and no, Christ becoming our life. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives 
life I'm living, I live by faith. Christ lives in me. The life I have is the life of Christ. And Christ is my life. Someone say, Christ is my life. So when you go through crisis, and you're a believer, and this is what has taken over you, crisis loses power over you. That's why they were able to die without fear. Because their life is Christ. You can't take away your life, his life. You can't take away my life. Because my life is Christ. Christ is my life. Say, Christ is my life. Christ is my life. Christ is my life. When Christ becomes your life, you don't struggle to set your heart and affections on things above. This Christian life that many of us are living has, has not been helped significantly by the kind of teachings that we have been listening to. Our teachings, many teachings are focused on enjoying life here which is not bad in itself. But it's not the core of Christian message. The core of Christian message is not to have a good life here. That's not the core. The core of Christian message is for Christ to be your life. That's the core of Christian message. You are not living the Christian life until Christ is your life. Please, I didn't say try to behave nice. That's not the core of Christian message. The core of Christian message is not trying to be a nice person. It's not trying to be a person full of love. I love people. (laughs) Oh, I love people, including dogs and animals. I love, I love creation. I love, I love. Please give me a break. That's not the core of Christian life. The core of Christian life is Christ is my life. Christ is my life. Unbelievers can't understand that. And this Christ is my life. I'm hidden in Christ. Someone say, Christ is my life. life. Oh, you didn't say it was. Say, Christ is my life. Christ is my life. life. He said, when Christ, who is your life, shall appear. When he appears, he's going to appear. They don't know him, but he's going to appear. Christ shall appear. Now, sir, this Christ who is alive has been portrayed in Colossians, as I said last week, in interesting, very powerful ways. That this Christ, he is our portion, Colossians 1 12. He's the portion of our inheritance. He's the portion. See, when Christ is your life and he's the portion of your life, inheritance. You don't set your affection on things on earth. He's the portion of our inheritance. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. God shut up. The God who cannot be seen, his image is my life. This Christ, who is my life, he's not just the image of the invisible God, he's actually the firstborn of all creation. Colossians 1 15. He's the firstborn of all creation. And he's not just the firstborn of our This Christ who is my life, Colossians 1.19, it pleased the Father that in him, in him, the fullness dwells in him. He's my life. No, no. The fullness dwells, the one who is my life, fullness oh, dwells in him. This is my life. Fullness dwells in him. 
is Colossians 1.26. He is the mystery of God's program of salvation. He's the mystery. He's actually the real subject of what God is doing. He is the topic of every preaching, every good preaching, sorry. <laughs> yes. He is the topic. He is the dissertation. He is the assignment. He is the thesis. He is the curriculum. Christ is the curriculum. Christ. Christ is the curriculum of church and life. He is the reason, the logos. The reason of life. He is the logos. The reason behind living. He is the reason for your marriage. Your marriage is the shadow of the real substance. Who is Christ? Anything in your life is the shadow. Christ is the real substance. He is. He is. Colossians chapter 2 verse 2. He is the mystery of God. You can't define God. You can't. But look at Christ. He's the mystery of God. <laughs> He's the reality. Colossians chapter, chapter 2 verse 17. The reality of every other thing is a shadow. Every other thing. Your qualification is a shadow. Your bank account is... <laughs> Yours is the real thing. You're keeping the real thing. Jesus is the real thing. <laughs> the human heart can sometimes so fix on what we want. Even when God is breaking the real thing, he says, no, I still want this one. Sometimes what comes out unconsciously, out of our mouth, tells us well, what has captured our heart. What has captured your heart will always come out of your mouth. Because they're out of the abundance of the heart. Mouth will see in it. Yes. This Christ is the real substance. He's the actual church, not this gathering. He's the church. He's the real thing. He's the real deal. Anything good, meaningful life is a shadow. Christ is the reality of everything good. Everything important. Christ. That's, that's the, and we said, this Christ is my life. And when you come to the church, when, when we talk about the church life, the church life, Christ is the constituent, the intrinsic constituent, the the substance, the, the, you know, the church, Colossians 3, 11, is that, is Christ. Christ is all. Christ is all. And all. He, is, he, he is this believer life. It's Christ. Christ is whether you are green, blue, black, yellow, white, orange, gray, <laughs> it doesn't matter whether you are male or female or she male. <laughs> whether you are young or you are old, it doesn't matter. Bible says that in Christ there is no male, female, no Greek Jew, no barbarian, Scythian, no slave or free, unemployed, unemployed, illegal immigrants, legal migrants, citizens. I said, oh, when they come to church, he said that Christ is all. I don't take away your, remove your status from church. 
it is necessary. Don't come to church with your race. Don't even come to church with your preference. Your earthly natural preference. This thing, Christ who is alive. And he says that he is. And Colossians 1.27 said, Christ in you. The hope of glory. So he said, when Christ, this Christ we are talking about, he actually is our life. When he appears, say he shall appear. He shall appear. Say he shall appear. He shall appear. First John chapter 3 verse 1, 2. What manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the sons of God. And verse 2, I like the verse 2. That's where I want to go. Beloved, now we are the sons of God and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, say he shall appear. Say he shall appear. When he shall appear, we shall be like him. Oh, you, you didn't say hallelujah over there. Yes. When he shall appear, our life is hidden now with him. But when he appears, we shall appear with him. Amen. We shall appear with him. Amen. We shall appear with him. We will really, then they will really see who we really are. Wow. We will, who we really are. In Romans chapter 8, verse 19, verse 21, verse 19 says that, for the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing. Some King James says that for the manifestation. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. When he appears, we shall appear with him. And what the world is waiting for is not another climate change policy. And what the world is waiting for is for the manifestation. The manifestation of the sons of God. The manifestations of the sons of God. Because creation itself is growing. Oh. Oh, creation is groaning. Well, creation itself groaning, verse 21. Because creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage and corruption into the, the these children of God, they have some glory. Yeah, yeah. They have some glory. We have some glory. For it's fitting for God. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. In bringing many sons to glory. For those he foreknew, he predestined. Those he predestined, he called, he justified. Those, Romans chapter 8, verse 29, verse 30. Those he justified, he glorified. He glorified. Christ in you. The hope of glory. And when God, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, we shall also appear with him in glory. Oh, if I let you out, shout hallelujah. In glory. No wonder Paul said, Oh, grave, where's your victory? <laughs> he said, This earthly body is sown in corruption. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 43. But it's raised in glory. Mashakataya. <laughs> Is sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. glory. What does dishonor mean? Dishonor. People close, close to you can tell. You, I know you, you, you are very posh and nice looking. But that's why every building, practically, common sense requires that every building should have a, a restroom. Because this body of dishonor body of dishonor. A notable person like yeah. 
glorious looking person like you. This body still is a body of, but it says this body. So, so when the doctor said we diagnose this, we diagnose this, we believe God for our healing, but time is coming when this body of dishonor, Makada Shakaya, it will be sown in dishonor, but it will be raised in glory. That's why you can't set your heart and affections on things on earth. Philippians chapter 3 verse 21 talks about how, how these are corruptible bodies. Corruptible bodies. Our corruptible bodies. Our Viking James says our vile bodies. Some translation says our corruptible bodies. This is a, it's a, it's a, it's a body of new King James. It uses our lowly body. Give us Amplified please. Lowly bodies. The amplifier says that subject everything to say will not only transform but completely refashion our earthly bodies. It will be refashioned. It, got, it, it, it definitely needs. It, does. it needs refashioning. It, it, it needs refashioning. And it, your doctor knows it. <laughs> your doctor, all your doctor has been saying is just pointing to the fact that this body needs refashioning yeah. which they can do yeah. no man can do you can't do it but when he appears in glory oh, yes. so he says that our earthly and vile bodies that needs refashioning new king james he says that it shall be transformed what to his crisis glorious who told you glory is not where we are heading towards Amen. <laughs> we are heading towards glory about you commands celebration even amongst angels. Wow. Wow. Ah, they say, whoa, whoa. See, when you see a bride, you hear a oh, wow, this is wow. That's why we are the bride of Christ. But by the time it's coming, we will manifest in glory. So don't be so worried about what you don't have. Don't be so worried about the challenges you are going through. I know you've been praying about it. I've been also praying for you. I'm believing God, but sometimes the things have not changed. We pray, oh God, oh God. And sometimes when you lose a loved one, sometimes people pray, 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 and the person goes. And sometimes they say, why, why, why? Don't worry. These vile bodies, the days ahead are glorious days. Please, would you preach with me? Tell somebody the days ahead are glorious days in Christ. I know your body has had a hit. Yeah. I know your health has taken a hit. Yeah. It's taking a hit. You get tired so quickly. You are not sick, but it could have been better. But they are glorious days. You don't say the amen and catch it. When Christ, who is alive, shall appear. Christ shall appear. Say he shall appear. There will be a problem if he wouldn't appear. <laughs> the Christian hope is hinged on the appearance of Christ. Because the appearance of Christ, the manifest, sometimes the, some translations use manifestation, other translations use appear. But the appearance or the manifestation of Christ is in two ways. He appeared first of all in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 28. 
So Christ was offered once to bear sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear as a second time. The first appearance was to come and bear sins. Yeah, the first appearance. So in 1 John chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 8. 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, it tells us the manifestation that we know that he, Christ, was manifested. Why? Why was he manifested? To take our sins. Yeah. So the, that's why John chapter 1, verse 29, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins. His first appearance was to take away, to bear sins. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26, says that he then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared, this is talking about the first one, appeared to put away sins by the sacrifice of himself. Don't let anybody, doesn't matter how supposedly religious or intelligent they are, or theologically astute they may look or appear or sound. Don't let anyone deceive you to tell you Christ is coming was just to come and show love and model good behavior. And the death of Christ is not really important. It's not a big deal. Yeah, that's, if you don't know how, you know, Siri or Alexa and those things, sometimes it responds to your voice. And then there are some things that are voice activated that responds to a particular voice. You know, so if the gadget doesn't know this voice, doesn't, it won't, like just your iris or your fingerprint, voice setting highly advanced AI systems, your voice, you, only you. Hello, I'm here, then it's open for you. You know, sometimes when you are home and then you hear someone talking, you know your brother is around. How do you know? Sometimes someone say, how do you know? So I know. Or mothers, a mother can be here, here's a child. 18 mothers can be seated here. One mother can say, that's my child crying. Uh, because they have a particular tone. <laughs> Satan also has a tone. <laughs> His tone is the death of Christ doesn't matter. Ah, that's the Satan has started talking. So even if you hear it in a preacher's voice, that Satan has started speaking through the preacher. <laughs> that it is death. It is death. It's not hey! He appeared. Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the reason why he was manifested, though he would destroy the works of the devil. He says that he who sins is of the devil. Let's all read that together. Let's say that. He who sins is of the devil. Please say it again. He who sins is of the devil. He who sins is of the devil. I mean, this is a whole, a whole subject on his own. <laughs> he who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. <laughs> For this purpose, this is where we are going, the Son of God was manifested. Did you see that? The first manifestation. Why? That he might destroy the works of the devil. He was manifested to destroy. So the first manifestation was to give Satan a heavy blow. Sin that rules over your life was defeated on the cross. Mm. Romans, Romans chapter 8, verse 3. Crushed on the cross. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Talks about he bore our sins. He bore sins. 
in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, he himself bore our sins. That's on a cross, on a tree, in his body. That's what was happening. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He himself bore our sins on the cross. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, verse 6, verse 10, verse 11, verse 12, he bore sins. The first appearance was to bear sins. So verse 5 says that, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment for our peace was upon by his stripes. Were, he was bruised. The bruising was for our peace. He didn't die his own death. Verse 6. Verse 6 says that, Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sins of us all was laid on him. Where? On the cross. Verse 10. A, 10A. Yet it pleased the Father to bruise him. He has put him to grief when he makes his soul an offering for sin. Yeah. God was behind it. Cross. I told you the cross. God was the main person working on the cross. Yeah. He was working. He was busily punishing Christ. And he says that God was pleased to do that. Can you imagine? He was happy. Punishing Christ. <laughs> he vented his anger against him because you say such a holy God he couldn't stand sin. But if he vents his anger on you, where would you be? Where would you be? And he, he wants to show his love to you. He wants to show his love to you, but he can't be just if he doesn't punish sin. So he brought himself as a sin bearer. And he went to the cross and God for once in the history of the universe has been able to find a place to vent his anger. So Christ became our propitiation. He appeased the wrath of God on the cross. He is, Bible said, he is our peace. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. He is our peace. He himself is our peace. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So God was very happy when Christ was dying on the cross. Don't let us feel sad about Easter and wear funeral clothes. And, uh, no, God was happy. Let's be happy with him. <laughs> Verse 11, Isaiah chapter 53. Is someone learning something at all? Isaiah chapter 53, verse 11. He shall see the travail of his soul. God will see the travail. Father, forgive me. Why have you forsaken me? Hey! And God will be satisfied. <sighs> yeah. He's satisfied because his justice has been met. At the same time, his love has been demonstrated to the sinners who are supposed to be punished. He has met justice and mercy at the same time on the cross. He said, his soul shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their sins, iniquities. That's what he came to do on the cross. So Christ, and then in I like First Corinthians. How about First Corinthians chapter 15? That's a nice one. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for what? Our sins. So why is someone saying that his death is not necessary? And someone in his right spiritual mind say the death of Christ is, is, is not necessary. 
He said, it's unimportant. It's pivotal. It's significant. It's the entry point. That is where everything changed. That is where heaven and earth kissed again. Because the sin in earth that was blocking heaven from manifesting, the sin was absorbed by the Lamb of God. And for the first time, heaven could now come back to earth and unite with earth. And somebody says that doesn't matter. Oh, that's the clearest tone of Satan's voice. Doesn't matter how theologically astute they may sound, they are speaking for Satan. In fact, they are not speaking. Satan is himself speaking to them. So he was manifested. But it is about to be manifested again, according to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. This time, not to bear sins. <laughs> yeah. That Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin. Yeah. He says that, and when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, we shall be manifested with him in glory. <laughs> Your days of glory are really ahead of you. I know a lot of good things have happened in your life, even though there have been one or two bad things, but a lot of good things. I mean, some of us here, you can testify that God has been good to me. Do I have a witness in the house? I, I can testify. Courage, we can testify that God has God been good to somebody? Has God been good to somebody? God is good. When I was in Redeem, we used to sing this song. God is good. He has done me well. Oh, my soul, rise up and say that. God is good. He has done, he has done, done me well. Rise up and pray. Never run out of this confession. Even when all hell breaks loose on you, sing, God, you are so good. God, you are so good, God. You are so good. You are so good, God. You are so good. You are so good to me. Has God been good to somebody? Oh, yes. Thank you, God. Had it not been for God, where would there have been? Is it, if it has not been for the Lord, who was on our side? May Israel say, if it had not been for the Lord, who was on our side? When coronavirus came, it would have taken you away. But today we are standing here. And we're standing here only because we Amen. Please sit down for a moment. Let me just run this up properly. So, why did we talk about the goodness of God? Watch this. Watch this. David said, you have done this, all these things for me, and it was as though it's not enough. And you want to do more? There is always more in God. So God has been good to us. You've seen the manifestations of his kindness, his goodness, his hand, in are some aspects of your life. Even though sometimes the enemy tries to scream louder. Yeah, yeah. But when you look at it very carefully, you can always see the handwriting of God, the, the fingerprints of God in your life. 
it's been like but the point here in Colossians chapter 3 verse 4 he said when Christ who is our life shall appear we shall also appear with him in glory there is an aspect that has not manifested yet you think you've seen God's goodness wait wait till you experience what is coming yes Wait! What you have seen so far is just, it's just time. Time! The, the, the problem will be, how am I even going to sing about it? Because even this tiny thing I've been say, say, seeing, I can't sing it all because I don't have enough vocabularies to express this goodness I've experienced. Yet what is coming? Hey. Yet what is coming? Hey. Yet what is coming? Hey. 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 Anytime Satan throws his words at you, quote Second Corinthians chapter four verse seventy-two. He said, "Yet our light affliction, our light affliction, is just for a short time. It's 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 just for a short time." Our light afflictions, which is bad for a moment. What Satan threw at you, he threw this affliction at you. Rather, the affliction is working for you. When you invest money into some stocks or whatever, some business that is doing well, when you have good investment somewhere, you can be holidayed and your money is... Your money is working for you. He said, the afflictions Satan throws against us, the afflictions we go through. If Christ is your life, if Christ is your life, then the afflictions that come against you are actually working, 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 working. And what is it work? It's, it's working far more exceeding eternal weight. The weight is eternal weight. You can't hold it. You can't hold it. It's so heavy. It's so what is coming is so heavy in beauty. It's so heavy in laughter. It's so heavy in rejoicing. What is ahead? The glory is ahead. Ahead. Heavy. It, it says that eternal weight of glory is far, far more exceeding and eternal. Yes. How are you getting it? Afflictions are working for you. Why? Because Christ is your life. Because Christ. Because Christ is your life. Christ is my 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 life. When God does something for you, and you say thank you, and say, oh God, this is too much. You say, really? Wait. See what is coming. 
See what is coming. Turn away to glory. Definitely, even on this earth, when Christ is your life, you will always have a chance to sink. See. to heaven and we meet Jesus and the gates of heaven are open you, you, you can't walk into it you just crawl with your hands lifted See? thank you for listening to this message by David Entry you're welcome to connect with David Entry on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn you can also find more spirit-filled messages from Karis Church on YouTube and all relevant streaming platforms. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share the message. Be blessed.